0: Hi, I'm Mark Groves. I'm a human connection specialist and founder of Create the Love. At an early point in my life, I became obsessed with understanding relationships, the intricacies of how people connect. And through this exploration, I have created a life and a business dedicated to learning out loud and exploring how we interact with each other and the world. This podcast brings the world's top thought leaders, spiritual luminaries, physicians, scientists, researchers, best selling authors, and health and wellness experts under one roof to discuss the good, the bad, the messy, and of course, the beautiful parts of the human experience. Welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I can't wait to dive in with you. So right before I sat down to get some work done this afternoon, I experienced that classic afternoon crash. You know, my energy was dropping and I could feel that my brain was sort of like, "Eh, are we going to do this? And I don't drink caffeine very often anymore. I don't want to be dependent on it. I might have a coffee once a week. And the reason is I don't want to have to be like, oh, I need a coffee to get through this afternoon. I felt like that was just another form of addiction. And I like my body and my mind to be free from the necessity of things in order to show up and perform. And so one thing that I've done in order to replace coffee and still get energy and also nutrition is I've been taking Organifi Red Juice. It's got thirteen Superfoods. It's fully organic. It's got no caffeine, just two grams of sugar that come from freeze dried berries. And so, not only does it provide me with energy, but it's actually super delicious and super easy to make. You just, in 30 seconds, you just open it up, mix it with some water, and drink it down. And as I said, it tastes so great. So, if you want to save 25% off red juice, this sounds like it'd be a good fit for you if you're trying to kick coffee or whatever. Um, check it out. Go to organifi.com slash create the love and that's o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i dot com slash create the love go check it out you save 25 percent on all the good stuff well this is a time that i've been most anxiously anticipating which is the return of the uh phenomenal terry <laughs> real welcome back my friend you're welcome mark (laughs) i feel like it's a revival tour you know this
1: is (laughs) well
0: you know and i think like all second times it should maybe you know rise above the first and the first podcast that we did together had such a beautiful impact on me i remember when you shared with me a conversation that you had with a friend where you prefaced it with um First off, I love you, and that's not to be questioned. Now let's talk about the thing that compl- you know that really um, planted a seed in me that I really appreciate. So I'm excited to dive in.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah that that is the concept. I'm, I'm going to talk about that again. I call that soft power or loving power. Uh, the first thing I want to tell you is I love you. Mm. Uh, this relationship is superb. Uh, and I'm so pissed off right now. I could throw you through the window. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's nice because the preface of the first sentence says we're safe and love's present. And let's let's navigate these deeper waters. Let's get into it. and And not saying like love is the absence of conflict, but it is in a lot of ways requires that foundational preface of safety, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways. So curious your thoughts on that.
1: Well, let's get right into it. Let's dive in. As you well know, I have been writing about what patriarchy does to us men, what patriarchy does to our relationship to ourselves, what patriarchy does to relationships for over 30 years. This new book is about that, and it's also uh, about what I've come to call the toxic culture of individualism. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that. We're thinking like an individual instead of remembering that you and the person you love are a team. Mm-hmm. What that what that is kind of knee-jerk response of you versus me. One of us is going to win, one of us is going to a power over trip uh does to relationships and how to get out of it. And this is a good case in point. Look, uh under patriarchy, which is the water we all swim in. Uh, A friend of mine told me a story about two fish are swimming along, young fish and an older big fish comes strolling by and says to the two younger fish, uh, how's the water? And they kind of look at him and he swims off. And then the two fish look at each other and go, what's water?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're in, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Patriarchy is the water we swim in. Individualism is the water we swim in and we are the fish, brother. So under patriarchy, you can either be, um, connected or you can be powerful, but you can't be both at the same time. Let me say that again. Yeah. Under patriarchy, you can either be connected, affiliative, uh, accommodating, quote unquote, feminine, or or you can be powerful independent, competent, assertive, quote-unquote, masculine. But you can't be both at the same time because under patriarchy, power means power over, dominant, not power with. So as you step into power, you step out of the relationship. And one of the things you've heard me say before is, as a couples therapist, leading men, women, and non-binary folks into intimacy in my book is synonymous with leading them out of patriarchy. Patriarchy isn't built for intimacy. It's built for production and consumption and war. And um, leading men into uh, intimacy moves beyond the defaults of our culture. To wit, as we say in academia, to wit, uh, I talk about loving power, soft power, and I teach this to both men and women. It's particularly useful for women these days. Cherishing your partner and cherishing the relationship in the same breath. I love you, man. When you just called me a fat, stupid pig, you sent me to the other side of the room. Now, I want to be close to you. Can you, like, say you're sorry and make some sort of repair on that? so that I don't stay on the other side of the room and I can enjoy being close to you again. Who the hell talks like that? No one. You have to be taught to talk like that because in our individualistic culture, you either serve the relationship or you stand up for yourself, but you don't do both at the same time. And this is a new world order. It's called learning to be relational. It's a new way of being on the planet.
0: That's interesting. So couple things that i hear you saying one that the what is at odds is when you are existing in the frame or the paradigm of patriarchy it is it inherently creates a hierarchy so you can't be relational and the second part which i definitely want to learn more about is this that that you are either in in protecting your sort of individualism or working towards the connectivity. And what I, what I would imagine we're striving for, and I want to hear more about this is to have individualism and connectivity, if that can uh, coexist. And what does that look like?
1: It looks like strong love. It looks like a uh, uh, loving power. It, it looks like the difference between saying, Hey Mark, don't fucking talk to me like that. Versus saying, hey, listen, man, I want to hear what you have to say. Could you tone it down so I can listen? Mm. Two ways of saying the same thing. But one's all about me, 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 me standing up for me. And the other is in the service of our relationship while still standing up for me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I would think the first one uh, about saying like, don't fucking talk to me like that. We are certainly, and I, I would say that I experience when someone is like defensive in that space or... Uh, they think that the, the boundary or the request has to be this assertive, aggressive yeah. thing, which in some cases I'm guessing it probably does.
1: Not really.
0: Yeah, tell, tell us more then, yeah.
1: You know, I, I, I've been privileged to work with a bunch, of, a half of Hollywood is in my case of these days. It's pretty fascinating. And um, there was, a, I love the story. A guy was walking down the street with his, with his child, This we'll this, say, son. And the paparazzi were in, in his face and in his little son's face. And the guy is in 12-step recovery. Uh, he's an alcoholic in recovery. And he recognized one of the guys sticking the camera in his son's face from a meeting. Mm. And he looked at the guy and he said, hey, you know, you're in 12-step, I'm in 12-step. This is really uh, violent toward my little kid. How about we take a moment and the two of us sit and pray? And they stopped right in the middle of the sidewalk. And they took 60 seconds and they t- took each other's hands and closed their eyes and prayed. And it completely diluted everything. And I called this guy, my client, uh, years later. He said, oh, my God, it's so synchronistic that you called. I said, why? He said, it's my birthday. And the paparazzi that I prayed with sent me a birthday cake.
0: Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, I imagine every celebrity is dreaming of getting a cake and not harassed, you know?
1: I mean, but he earned it. Yeah. Because, because he went to that higher consciousness. I call it mm. the wise adult uh, part of us. The same guy was talking about Will Smith at the uh, Oscars. And he said, you know, what a missed opportunity. He said, just imagine uh, how it would have been If Will Smith walked over to Chris Rock, put his arm around him on live TV in front of millions of people and said, hey, Chris, that's my wife. You don't have to be mean to be funny. Let's let's Mm. not. Or or if he said, you know, there's a lot of bad shit going on in the world right now. We don't have to bring that kind of violence uh, into this arena. I mean, he would have had a standing ovation. So it's all about. Uh, moving out. Uh, the, the name of the book is "Us," getting past you and me to build a more loving relationship, and that's any relationship. And it's about getting out of that adversarial "fuck you," you're the enemy. One of us wins, one of us loses, and literally moving to the more mature part of our brain. It's called the prefrontal cortex, the part of us that can stop and reason and think and make mature choices. And uh that's the part of us that needs to lead the way in our relationships. But if I can guess on a bit, the issue is safety. Our autonomic nervous system scans our bodies four times a second. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And if the answer is yes, we stay seated in that wise adult part of us, the most mature part of the brain. But if the answer is no... I'm in danger. Boom. That part shuts down. The more primitive parts of our brain light up. Our endocrine system pumps stimulants into our as fight, flight, freeze, or fix. You are in knee-jerk response. You're going to run. You're going to take the sucker out. You're going to get down on your knees and plead with him. You're going to try and uh, play dead and hope it goes away. But very automatic body visceral responses, no thought involved. And the problem is that we get trauma triggered. The problem is that you may not be in danger now, but something is happening in your relationship that is close enough to what happened to you as a little boy or a little girl that you think you're in danger. Your body reacts like you're in danger, and then you go into your knee-jerk response And that knee-jerk response will not use relationship skills. It will not be kind. It's not about, let's solve this as a team. It's about me, 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 and you're in survival mode. And we have, the whole book is about understanding that, the physiology of that, the history of that, and how to move beyond that. How to, I call it, remember love. Remember that the person you're speaking to is someone you love. And if you can't get there, remember you have to live with the son of a bitch. It's in your in you know, I get these big burly guys in my, you know, I deal with tough guys. I got these big grandiose going, why should I have to work so hard to please my wife? And I go, knock, knock, hey, dummy, because you live with her, okay? <laughs>
0: Cause you gotta see her in the hall. You gotta have meals with her. Why wouldn't you want them to be blissful the majority of the time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Happy house. Happy spouse. I don't talk about altruism. I talk about enlightened self interest. It's in your interest. You know, here, here's the thing. At the most abstract level, let me put it this way. Individualism teaches us the delusion. The, the, the crazy destructive delusion that we're not in nature. We, we stand apart from nature. That's what being an individual, that's what yeah. the word means. A separate individual. Patriarchy combines with individualism and says, not only are we separate from nature, but we stand above nature and we control it. We dominate it. You know, God gave Adam dominion over everything that crawled and flew and swam on this earth. Some people say that's a bad translation, but what can I say? Here's the thing. We've got to trade in that power over model for a cooperative model. You you know, we try and control our spouses. We try and control our kids. We try and control our bodies. I've got to lose 10 pounds. We try and control our thinking. Uh, you know, I've got to be less negative. We try and control our feelings. Oh, my God, I don't want to feel attracted to that one. I teach guys all day long, you don't control your feelings, you control your behavior. Make room for your feelings, honor your feelings. They're just feelings. Feelings won't hurt you. Running from feelings, trying to control feelings, that will kill you. That will give you a heart attack. So we have to trade in this power over control model uh, with a cooperative model. Here, here's how I say it. Our relationships are our biosphere. We're not above them. We're in them. And they're the air we breathe. And you can choose to pollute your biosphere uh, over here with a temper tantrum But you're going to breathe in that pollution over here in your partner's withdrawal and, you know, anger, lack of sexuality, whatever. You can't escape. You're linked. And when you realize that, I call it ecological humility. When you remember that you're not above the damn thing, you're in it, then everything changes. All the tools change. The language changes. So, for example... The, que- the relational question, who's right and who's wrong, is who cares? <laughs> what matters <laughs> is, how are you and I going to work to make this thing work for both of us? And everything changes when you start thinking like that. Instead of sex, 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 I need more sex in this relationship, it becomes sweetheart. We both deserve a healthy sex life. What do we need to do to jumpstart this thing? Mm-hmm. A completely different vocabulary, toolbox, energy. And I'm here to tell you, it works about a 100,000 times better.
0: Yeah, that idea of moving from oppositional us versus them, as you were mentioning earlier, to uh, shoulder to shoulder, facing the world, facing the challenges, especially when you think about relational challenges, like often our conversations are about how one of the partners has the struggle with communication. They're the problem. One person has lower desire. They're the problem. One person has, you know, it's, and then it's like the one person feels shame. There's a hierarchy created in that. Is that the patriarchal structure you're speaking to is like, is that the
1: one up one down?
0: Yeah. Like we sort of preserve ourselves from feeling shame and, and having to uh, carry some of that? Maybe, that is that a childhood thing that I don't want to carry the, I don't want to be? or, or
1: Sure. Say, childhood things, it's, also, it's also cultural. Like, uh, Warren Farrell, who's famous because he used to be a feminist and now he's like a male, uh, men's rights guy. But he swung oh, back yeah. again and uh, and he says, you know, uh, our world would be so much better if men would learn to just be open and accountable instead of defensive. Okay, Warren. Here's the thing. There's a reason why we're defensive. We're defensive is because we have to be goddamn perfect. That's why. If you're not perfect, you're not a real man. If you have any vulnerability, you're not a real man. And so our partner comes and confronts us with some imperfection. We feel shame, but we don't have any tolerance for that. So we ward off the shame by warding off the imperfection, which Uh, means telling our partner to go to hell. That it's them. It's them. Yeah, here's, here's my line, if I, if I can play with you for a bit. Yeah. Uh, everybody who comes in my office, I write about this, is what I call an essentialist. My partner is essentially this kind of individual. as who they are. So, you know, uh, when I do this in front of audiences, I pick a woman out, out of the audience, and I say, what's your name? Jill. So Okay, if we were going out with Jill, and we gave her a couple, three mojitos, and she was having trouble. And I said, what's wrong with your marriage? Uh, Jill would say, I know exactly what's wrong with my marriage. Harry. Harry's what's wrong with your marriage. <laughs> and then after a couple, three mojitos, I'd say, well, what's wrong with Harry? And if she were really honest, Jill would say, you know, it's his essential hairiness. He's just such <laughs> maddening. We all think it. the, the problem is you. And it's who you are as an individual. We leave ourselves out. So I'll tell you a true story. It's in the book. So I, and I will call him Bill comes to me. One of my uh, blue collar Boston South Irish guys, you know, uh, in, in, in construction, uh, he owns a construction company and, uh, Uh, In my mind, he's like chomping on a cigar, even though there isn't one there. But he needs one. He's like one of these
0: guys.
1: (laughs) And and I start off the session the way I start off every session. I say, Bill, uh, what's your wish? If this were to be a Grand Slam, what would a Grand Slam get you? He goes, well, this would be a great success if between the two of us, we managed to get me laid. (laughs) Okay? All right. Uh, Yeah. So a brilliant therapist, they go, so your sex life isn't quite what you want it to be. Freud, he says, uh, no, it's terrible. We haven't had sex. What's wrong? Well, what's wrong is Clarice. And what's wrong with Clarice? Well, she's just a cold person. She comes from a cold family. Mm -hmm. I'm from a big Italian family. We yell, scream, make love on the kitchen table. She like is one of the frozen chosen, high wasp, Boston Yankee. Frozen
0: chosen. <laughs> I've never heard that. Uh, Hi
1: wasp, you know, Boston family, Yankee. Wouldn't know a feeling of her health. She's just a cold person. I bring in Clarice. I go, Clarice, your husband isn't very happy with your sex life. I know, I know. I'm a frigid bitch, right? I, excuse me? Clarice is not so uptight as uh, Bill says she is. (laughs) Yeah, well, we haven't had sex. Well, why not? Well, he's a shitty lover, man. He has premature ejaculation. He's had it for 20 years. He won't do anything about it. He has no interest in my needs or pleasing me. Every time I try and talk about it, he bites my head off and just has a, a, who needs it? Okay. I bring Bill back in the room. And Mark, here's what I say to him. I go, Bill, I've got great news for you, man. (laughs) (laughs) And the news I have to give Bill is the news of relationality, of connection. It's what every good couples therapist knows. Bill, you and Clarice are on a seesaw. You're like a 500-pound guy on one end of the seesaw saying, could you get that skinny broad down from there? And you've tried everything you can think of to get her down. And here's the great news. Get up. You do something different on your end, not to control her, but to change the seesaw. That's called working on a relationship. You change your behavior on your end of the interaction to see if you can influence the interaction. That's relational. That's wise. But you have to be... In that wise adult part of you in order to want to do that.
0: Why do you think it is? Because I, I find from a gender perspective, it seems as though women as a baseline tend to want to work more in the relationship and want to say what Clarice has said, which is, Hey, if you worked on these things that are making it so like if we worked on these things together to desensitize your premature ejaculation, or just get to the root of the hyperarousal, or whatever it is, if we got to that, and I worked on some things too, then you know we could make a magical sex life. Why is it that often as men we have a harder time really exploring and desire, like us taking the initiative? You know. I don't get
1: that. This episode is
0: brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it
1: free. I'm happy if we respond well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I just don't want us to throw Clarice out the window. You know, the thing is... I mean, my first book was about men and boys and what we do in this culture. Um, The essence of traditional masculinity, and it's changing. Younger guys are better, but it's not changed. The essence of traditional masculinity is invulnerability. The more invulnerable you are, uh, the more manly you are. And the more vulnerable you are, the more uh, unmanly you are. I had the great joy in... in uh a relationship summit I just did for uh, about a 100,000 people, 30 experts. And one of them, not an expert, but a guest, was Hugh Jackman, the actor. Mm -hmm. And I had the great pleasure of talking about traditional masculinity with Wolverine of all people, right? Yeah. But uh, we're taught that showing any sign of vulnerability is unmanly. And what's happening is that women across the West are insisting on more emotional intimacy from their men than we traditionally raise boys and men to deliver, and I gotta say, there's been a huge backlash. You know, if only women would back off, we'd be. I I want women to stand firm in their insistence on more uh, intimacy. I want men to stand up and meet these demands what we know from research is that emotional connection is good for us it's good for our bodies it's good for our mental health it's good for our relationships it's good for our children and so what i say to guys across the board is and you know this really is different from a lot of other therapists she's right i take sides you know, some yeah. of not the therapists say, well, what's your opinion? What's your opinion? what's your opinion of her opinion? No, screw all that. She's right. What she's asking for is legit. It's good. Now, the way she's asking may suck and need to be brushed up. But what she wants, more emotional connection, is a good thing for everybody. It was stamped out of you as a boy. You didn't ask for it to be stamped out. It was stamped mm-hmm. out whether you wanted it or not. Let's open up your heart and reclaim that old territory so that you can show up for your family the way your family wants you to. It's not just your partner, it's your kids. Yeah, A lot but, of the men who will not do this work for themselves or for their quote-unquote blah yeah. wives will do it for their kids.
0: That That part that I think is so essential that you just spoke to one, I always love that you take sides. I always love that you just call the shit how it is. Like that's one of my, from the very first workshop I ever took of yours, I was just instantly drawn to your let's cut the shit. Uh, So thank you for that. Um, That part that you pointed out that I think is so essential is the acknowledgement of the crushing of that like the acknowledgement of the grief and the rage that perhaps lives in this space of what my because i experienced this that and i had to put words to it eventually but was that what my partner and what relationships most needed from me was the very thing i was told to not feel right so like Claiming vulnerability and emotionality is such an act of rebellion against. Like you are, the perception is I'm trading in my masculinity for this, rather than you are uh, actually right. Rather than you're broadening it, you're expanding it. You're actually yeah, decoupling. Yeah, you're decoupling these things, which they should always be decoupled. You know, like I remember I had a woman in an audience one asked me, like, "Well, you know." How do I teach my son that it's healthy emo- masculinity to be emotional? I said, well, don't teach him that they're connected, <laughs> like they they're not. And I just, I, I just am so important to me that the the male is at least acknowledged in the challenge of that, like that that goes against the very essence of the education.
1: Yeah, it does, and that's why I say leading men and women into intimacy is leading them into new territory. That's leading them beyond the culture at large, the the water we're swimming in. But I like new territory. Let's go for it. You know, we never wanted more uh, than we want right now from relationships. Yes. Our grandparents didn't care about all this shit. You know. (laughs) Definitely not. They didn't want sex in their 70s. And they didn't want long walks on the beach, you know, hard (laughs) to We We have grafted, a lover relationship onto marriage for the first time in history. We want to be lifelong lovers. Okay. Well, we need the skills that this culture doesn't teach us in order to pull that off. You have to know how to assert yourself without torching your relationship. You have to know how to negotiate. You have to know how to grieve. There are a lot of essential skills. And, And by the way, let me put in a plug. I'd love everybody to come to my website, terryreal.com, just my name, T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L.com. Uh, we're doing our first ever online US workshop for individuals and couples. And we're going to do a deep dive into, you know, it's great to talk about this, but how do you actually get it done? And that's what this workshop is going to be about. Let, let, let me give you, can I give you an example? Yeah, of course. Um, if you are faced with an unhappy partner, most all of us in our individualistic culture have two reference points. The first is so called objective reality. I'm listening to you bitch about me, and I'm going, Well, that's true. That's not, that's half true. That's sort of true, but you have to understand. And we're rebutting, we're not listening. We may not say it, but that's what we're thinking. And our reference is, how accurate is this? You recognize what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I'm doing it right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very
0: accurate, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Our second reference point is ourselves. I can't believe I have to put up with this shit. Here she goes again. All right. What I teach people is, lose those two reference points, objective reality and yourself. We don't care about objective reality, and we don't care about you. Lose the ego. And as an act of generosity, walk over the bridge to your partner's subjective experience with compassion. It sounds like this. Oh, honey, I'm sorry you feel bad. Start with that. Honey, I'm sorry you feel bad. I love you. I don't want you to feel bad. Tell me more about why you feel bad. And if you really want an A plus, it goes to, yeah, I could see how you might feel like that. Man, that's water in the desert. I can see how you might feel like that. And then the $10,000 question. Is there anything I can say or do that would help you feel better? That's called repair. All relationships are an endless dance of harmony, disharmony, and repair. We don't teach people how to make repair. We don't even acknowledge that disharmony exists. We say a good relationship is all harmony bullshit. Harmony, disharmony, and repair. How do you get back to being close with each other again? You know, the first thing you have to do is remember that you want to. Remember that it's more important to bring your partner back into repair with you than to prove your goddamn point. Or defend yourself, or control them, or express yourself. These are all agendas of the adaptive child part of us. Not that wise adult. So if you're tr- the, the the fly in the ointment is when you move from harmony to disharmony. Most of us get triggered. We lose that wise adult. We move into the adaptive child, and it's that knee-jerk, aggressive, defensive response. So the first thing we have to do, and that's what this book's all about, is cultivate the skill in those heated moments of taking a breath, taking a break, taking a walk around the block if need be. Get yourself back centered into, right, I am here because I care about my partner. I am talking to make things better between us. Okay, now I can open my mouth. And if you're not there, I have great advice for everybody listening. Shut up. (laughs) Don't try and solve your problems from your adaptive child triggered part. Here's the thing. That part of you will never use intimacy skills. That part of you doesn't care about intimacy. It cares about self-protection. Mm-hmm. I, I have a saying you can be right or you can be married what's more important they ask this adaptive child part I go right more important down the right. line <laughs> yeah Forgive
0: divorce me. here I come I'm right though
1: yeah, right, right and divorced right yeah I say that you can be right in your marriage and do nothing wrong never be offensive never lie never cheat just be right 100% of the time and you'll be divorced <laughs> <laughs>
0: When you put it that simply, too, it, it it speaks to how, and you said this earlier, too, that we're not taught this part, like these essential parts. And I find, too, what's fascinating is that, and I, I don't know why this is, but it seems as though we often see the conflict between our parents, but not the repair between our parents. And yeah what an essential skill, you know, even for a parent, I remember I have a very memorable moment where I was at a carnival with my mom and my brother and my mom, you know, those exorbitantly priced games that you can never actually win. And my mom, I did this one where you had to throw a softball in a basket and the basket just shoots it right back at your fucking head. And it never lands and stays in the basket. And my mom got like upset that we had spent that amount of money on this game that I wanted to play. And then I didn't win. And I was probably like nine or 10. And I'll never forget my mom repairing with me later to say sorry for reacting and just her sensitivity to the money. And But that was such an important moment. And I remember that at 10. And I think about how often we are we're never taught that like parents don't repair with us generally, and they don't repair with each other in front of us, or even our siblings or our aunts or uncles, whatever it is, and you know it you spoke too about the structural parts of relationship in the world. It sounds to me like this reorganization that is being invited that you're inviting in this book is how we relate to everything. Like this patriarchal structure is I'm dominant over. And I remember listening to the anthropologist Wade Davis, and he said that we we believe that technological achievement is sort of the ultimate act of human mm-hmm. evolution, but we couldn't mm-hmm. be further from the earth. And I think uh, about that. You know,
1: in you know I, I actually end the book Talking about uh, an anthropologist, Marcia Eliana, who studied uh, metalworking in uh, indigenous cultures and in early, in the early West. Alchemy grew out of metalworking and science grew out of alchemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he studied it as an early uh, relationship to technology. And what he found across like six cultures was that metalworkers were seen as Diving into the bowels of the earth, the womb of the earth, and extracting the embryos mm. and perfecting them. And in some cultures, uh, they were seen as shaman, as holy men. And in some cultures, they were seen as rapists, as criminals. And in some cultures, wow. they were, they were seen as either. And what determined how they were seen, I love this. Is that way in the book was the consciousness of the technology. If you were working with nature, you were a shaman. If you were working for personal gain, you were a vandal. And everybody understood that. So it's like power over or communion with. And I'm very proud, I must say, the bulk of the book is about personal relationships, but I fade out in the end to uh, talk about race and gender and our relationship to the planet and spirituality. Uh, So it really is about a call to a new paradigm, uh, both in our bedrooms, in our state, and on our planet. It's all the same thing. Trading in the delusion of separateness and power over for the humility of cooperation and artistry.
0: Beautiful. It think it makes me think of as the alchemist of our relationships, the technology that we can use is the skills of repair. Like that it is communal. That is the communal use of relationship. And I feel like once you re-enter that sacred space with other, you are in in that moment, you're in sacred space with self too, because of the way that you're being. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. That's exactly right. And I tell people, I talk about relational integrity, you know, keep your eyes off a result. Uh, On Tuesday, you behave with maturity and skill and love and wisdom and your partner uh, behaves back. And that's great. On Thursday, you stay centered in your adult self they're in an immature part of them and they're having none of it and you don't go into the mud with them okay that's not a great day for your relationship but it's a stellar day for you it's mm-hmm. part of your spiritual practice to realize that and it's good couples uh hygiene I, I have a saying in close relationships uh, everybody gets to go crazy but you have to take turns <laughs> 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 you really have to hold the fort <laughs>
0: Well, I'm thinking of the other day, I had a, Kylie and I had a conflict and I could feel my child self just wanting desperately to be right and to get her. I was like, so when you're doing that, this is what I'm experiencing. Like, I think this is true. And you're just not aware of your intention. And she was like, that's a hundred percent wrong. And I'm a hundred percent aware of my intention. Thank you though. And I was like, yeah, she's actually right. Like in my head, I'm like, she's right. I don't want her to be right. And I was like digging deep into the spiritual essence of my soul. And I was like, you're right. I'm sorry. And you do know your experience best. I'm sorry for trying to put my experience, my hope, because you would be wrong if you were my, (laughs) and It was a really nice moment because what I always experience when I dig deeper into the very crevasses of my uh, intention to want to have connection over being right is that I always experience such a deeper sense of connection with her, but also me. Like there's something buried below the depths of that humility. There's like a softness. I, I don't know how to even put it into language. Where right? language, What I'm most terrified of is that experience. And yet in that experience is where I find the most beauty and grace.
1: Vulnerability is where it's at, man. The courage to be vulnerable and be a human being and drop all this armor and all this pretense of how strong and needless and wantless and perfect you are. You know, I probably said this on the last show I said everywhere about men. Uh, running away from our vulnerabilities is like running away from our rectums. <laughs> it has a follow, way of following you wherever. We are vulnerable. Human beings are vulnerable. And more than that, we connect to each other through vulnerability. Men have been sold a bill of goods. I have to be perfect and I'll be worthy of love. No, no. Sit down and play blocks with your kids. Shut up. You know, be there. Show up like a person. And don't worry about the performance. And so many of us have been sold a bunch of nonsense.
0: Amen. So in this reorganization, because this is what I, you know, I, I think we all aspire to do what you're saying. I think I'll try to speak for you, the listener. We aspire for it, but I feel like there's a, Like in your experience, what are the greatest objections or fears that come up, both conscious or unconscious, and how do we sort of move towards uh, what you're asking?
1: I'll tell you what. I'll give uh, our listeners a concrete tool. Here's the tool that I tell people when it comes to. Well, first of all, let me give you a map. I talk about relationship jujitsu. The way we handle conflict in the West. Is like you know the rumble in the jungle. You give me your best shot. I give you my best last man stand. Okay, I like the east. The way it works in the east is somebody comes at you. You move a quarter of an inch out of the way. Give a little flip, and they're up against the wall. (laughs) You don't you don't oppose the force. You you duck under it. You know, I say to particularly guys, you don't stand up and take the wave full on the chest. You duck under it and come out the other side. And what I want, particularly for men, is to replace this model of strength. God damn it, I stood up with elegance. Instead of, God damn it, I stood up for mine and let her get away with bullshit. Replace that with, hey, you know, we could have had a fight for three hours. And I made this slick move. I said, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And we were done in five minutes. Wow! Yes, boy. wasn't I cool? Yeah, replace strength with elegance. A step out of the way and use your smarts, uh, not your brawn. And uh, it's a new model for all of us, but particularly for men. Lose well, the ego. But here's what I say. Here's the tool I promised you. Yeah. When you're in conflict and it's about standing up or yielding. And yielding just means, I'm sorry you feel bad, honey. Tell me, tell me what's going on. What can I do to make you feel better? You ask yourself this question. What is this going to cost me? See, if you want to send your kid to, you know, Summer Hill progressive, progressive, ultra-liberal school, and your partner wants to send your kid to, like, military academy, if you give in to your partner, that's a big cost. Maybe you're going to choose to dig your heels in and have a fight about that. Fair enough. I'm okay with that. But if your partner's saying, you know, boy, the tone you just used made me feel like you were really demeaning, and you're sitting there going, I didn't mean that. Rather than, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, to say, I'm sorry you felt demeaned. That must have felt bad. I didn't mean that. Is there something I could do to help you feel more respected? Before you let go of your ego and make that relational move, that wise move, ask yourself, what's this cost me? And if the answer is it doesn't cost me anything but my stiff-necked pride, then be be I talk to men in particular about what I call learning to be family men, learning to be generous gentlemen, particularly emotionally generous. What does it cost you to be a little more giving? to the
0: person you're living with feels like you're performing a pride exorcism with that tool. (laughs) (laughs) I think of that question, you know, and even in the context of the most recent conversation I had with Kai that I was sharing, uh, the answer would always be nothing like to, to, to enter more grace, to just take a moment to acknowledge her experience And actually to make it an agreement, because there are times I would like her to exercise said quality. Uh, But I find also like if I'm, you know, really speaking to our experience, Kylie and I, she is more gentle in communication. She is more forgiving. She is more. If there was a, she, if it was just her communicating with her, it'd always be graceful and kind and generous, and it is generally that way with us. I just get a little more elevated, and I have more defensiveness at the core of my child.
1: Yeah, you know? well, you get triggered. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, there's nothing wrong. I call it whoosh, w h uh, o o s a You know, comes up from the feet. Look, I get triggered. I grew up in a violent home, and I'm a fighter, and Belinda's a fighter. Uh, the issue is that you, not that you're going to control that triggering. The issue is let it wash over you, take a breath, and duck under it. Get centered. Yeah. This, this is my loving partner I'm talking to right now. What the fuck am I doing? You know, wait, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? Am I talking to to make points and drive her into the ground with my wonderfulness? Or, and I'm <laughs> trying to make things better, I'll tell you this: this is absolutely true. Look, both Blaine and I uh, are our uh, adaptive child parts, our knee-jerk responses, fight, and we used to fight like cats and dogs early in our marriage. I mean, for days at a time—five, six days—we fight. Nowadays, and we still will fight a little bit, few and far between, and it usually goes away soon. Nowadays, if we start to fight, we usually take a break, 20, 30 minutes, and, and then one of the other of us will come back. Uh, and it sounds something like this. It's absolutely dead true. Uh, I don't want to fight. Do, do you want to fight, honey? I, I really don't want to fight. I mean, you can fight, but you'll have that fight by yourself. I'm not interested. L- listen, uh, wh- what do you need? I'd like to exit this program. It would be. Wh- wh- what do you need? And she'll go. Well, you could say you're sorry that blah 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 blah. And I go, Yeah, all right. I, I, I'm sorry about that. And she will go, Well, what do you need? And I go, Well, you can be accountable about blah 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 blah. she go, Yeah, okay. I I I I was a, I was a bit of a jerk with that that third blah there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I say, Okay, you you want some tea? Yeah. Okay, great. And we're done. And what used to take five days takes maybe half an hour. And here's what I'm thinking. I want everybody listening to this to get this. Here's what I'm thinking. How do I want to spend my evening? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I call keeping your eyes on the prize, keeping your wits about you. Do I want to spend my evening fighting with this woman? Or do we want to cuddle up on the couch and watch something cool on TV and, and eat some popcorn? I mean, it's my night, what do I want to do with it? And keeping yourself centered in that uh, part of you that can, I call it keeping your wits about you. It's like, wait a minute, this is not the enemy. Wait a minute, I don't want to spend three hours screaming at each other. Okay, what do I need to do to diffuse this thing? Great, let me do it. It's like, hello, wake up like dummy. <laughs> it's your it's your evening. What do you want to do with it?
0: Yeah, when you put it that way, it's a lot easier to understand. You know, like you said earlier that, you know, you benefit by doing the relational work. You benefit by softening. You benefit by prioritizing your, you know, the repair. And you get an easier life. You get an easier relationship. You know, all the things.
1: Happy happy spouse, happy house. You know, I don't even talk about altruism. The minute it starts being about she wins, I lose, you're screwed. That's not the way to think about it. Take care of your biosphere because your biosphere will take care of you. You're in it. You breathe it. Use your smarts. Do you really want to pollute this atmosphere by proving that you're right right now? Can you let go of that stiffness and... uh and yield into something more vulnerable. Uh, Or if you're one of the folks who are coming at it from the one down, more codependent position, can you enter into the vulnerability of being more assertive? It goes both ways. For people who are scared, caretakers, codependents, uh, it feels vulnerable to open up your mouth and speak. They're both parts of being relational. Uh, but do it with love. Do it with savvy. Don't do it like a three-year-old child.
0: Well, Terry real it is always uh, very real getting to connect with you. And I know that pun has probably been made a thousands of times <laughs> in your life. Um, where So the book, Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship.
1: Yes, let me, uh, here it is for those who are watching. Uh, out Random House, out June 6th, uh, June 7th. Uh, I want you to notice Forward by Bruce Springsteen. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I read his words. I was like, oh, the boss.
1: He wrote a beautiful forward. So and, beautiful. Uh, and was very generous in acknowledging his work with Patty and me. Um, uh, so, yes, that's the book. Go to my website, Uh Join us for the workshop. We have a great inventory you can see just how screwed up you are. And even better, you can see how screwed up your partner is uh, in Laura detail. There's lots of tools there for you. TerryReal.com. Book is out everywhere uh, June 7th. And um, stay tuned.
0: Well, thanks so much. And for you listening, Terry Real is an incredible teacher, as you've just heard. And if you haven't caught the previous episode that I did with him, it's incredible. And so make sure you go pick up This book and move from me to we. Yeah. I like it.
1: That's how to do it. Mark, blessings on your work. You're a force of good in this world. And uh, I want you to keep at it. You're doing great work. Thank you, sir.